Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. The only way for you to get a job curly pudding is if you had an appointment. And once people start like knocking on our door and ringing our bell at like nine o'clock at night or on mm-hmm. Sunday, we were like, oh my God. Welcome to Breaking Beauty, the podcast all about the breakthrough people, products, and moments in beauty. We're your hosts, Jill Dunn and Carlene Higgins. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Breaking Beauty Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Jill Dunn, and our show is all about the breakthrough people, products, and moments in beauty. And right here alongside me virtually, as always, is my co-host, Carlene Higgins. Hey, Carlene. Hi, Jill. We are really excited to bring you another epic founder chat today. We're speaking with Miko Branch, co-founder of Miss Jessie's Hair Care. Miko launched the line in 2004 with her late sister, Titi Branch. Titi sadly passed away in 2014. And the name of the brand is actually an ode to their paternal grandmother, Miss Jessie, who first nurtured their love of hair products with her homemade concoctions that she created right around the kitchen table. The brand would become a pioneer designing styling creams, moisturizers, and deep conditioning treatments, not for one specific ethnicity, but rather the myriad of curls and diverse textures that live in the world, from curly to kinky to wavy and everything in between. Miss Jessie's has earned a lot of celebrity fans, too. Everyone from Alicia Keys to Lupita Nyong'o to Zendaya. And some of you may know Miss Jessie's iconic curly pudding. That really was their first product ever. It's an elongating cream to help combat curl shrinkage. But their number one best-selling product is the Pillow Soft Curls, inspired by, get this, fabric softener technology for your hair. So stay tuned as Miko tells us all about that product. And at the end of the episode, we're going to phone a friend, fellow beauty editor and curly girl, Ingrid Williams, who's going to help us out with a review of the product since we ourselves don't have curly hair. But first, you'll hear from Miko herself, who Women's Wear Daily has recognized as one of the most influential women in business today. And she was a 2015 honoree of the Ebony Power 100. Plus, Miko is a dedicated philanthropist. She's partnered with the New York Urban League to create the TT Branch Miss Jessie's Award for Excellent Scholarship and the United Negro College Fund in support of their scholarship programs. She also regularly supports the NAACP, the Studio Museum in Harlem, and so many more. 
In today's episode, you're going to hear how Miss Jessie's took a family recipe and brought it to the mainstream, putting products for curly, coily, kinky, and wavy hair front and center on store shelves. Plus, you'll hear Miko's epic tips for curly hair types. Some of these questions came right from our Facebook chat room, including how to transition from relaxed hair to natural texture. And finally, Miko is going to let us know the best way to support female Black-owned businesses right now. And here she is, Miko Branch. So Miko, we always begin by going way back to before Miss Jessie's even existed. Tell us about growing up. Where did you grow up and what was life like for you? Paint us kind of a picture. Sure. So I'm a native New Yorker and I grew up in Queens, New York in a primarily Black neighborhood. Um, My mom is Japanese American and my dad is African American. My sister Titi and I, we grew up just doing like the normal things that that kids did in Queens, New York. We played in the street. It was pretty wholesome. We had our mom and dad on the set. Life, you know, inside was a little bit different than it was outside in that we were the only family with the Japanese mother. Right. We, you know, once we got outside, we blended in with all the other kids. And ironically, we were raised by a dad who thought it was really important that we be no stranger to hard work. So my dad put us to work very early on. So T.T. and I would help him with everything from painting to spackling to anything. He actually raised us as boys. (laughs) Is your name actually Japanese, Miko? Or does it have any particular cultural significance? Yes. So my mom, uh, given that my mom is Japanese and my dad's African-American, my mom uh, chose me to have a first name with the Japanese background. And I believe my name means beautiful child. And um, my sister Titi, her name was the African uh, side of Titi. So Titi's name is Nigerian. Oh, wow. Beautiful. Yeah. And now hair is such a through line through your entire life, obviously. Tell us what your relationship was like with your own hair growing up. So I had an interesting relationship with my hair growing up in that in the house, I saw this beautiful woman, which was my mom, with long, straight, black hair. And my hair was so different. It was kinky in some areas. It was curly in other areas. And it was just super different than hers. I always thought my mom was beautiful, so I emulated her in many different ways, but I just couldn't get it right with the hair. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I struggled (laughs) as a kid just to make it um, behave like my mom's hair. So I used everything from grease and gels. And, you know, for the most part, it got silky and smoother when it was wet. But when it dried, it was a completely different animal. And I teach my sister, Titi and I had really thick hair. So I don't know if I really liked my hair growing up, but I was certainly interested in ways to um, dial it and do it. And I think that was my introduction to becoming a hairstylist, really just trying to figure out ways to style and manage my hair as a kid. And when did you know that doing hair was more than just a necessity, but a gift and a passion for you? Once my friends in Queens started requesting for me to do their hair after I would beg them the first time to allow me to do their hair, once they came back for seconds, I knew that I was good. As a kid in New York, New Yorkers tend to be very straightforward, even the kids in New York. So if you weren't good, um, not only would no one ask you to do your hair, to do their hair again, they would also talk about how bad it was. 
<laughs> you mentioned your sister, Titi. So you guys decided to open a salon in 1997. Is that right? And how did that come about? Titi became my agent. She was a field producer at Eyewitness News in New York City. She left her job and she decided to be become an agent for creative artists. So she had one in the house and that was me. I was a hairstyler. And she didn't have much luck with her other creative artists, but ironically, she had um, a lot of luck when she started representing me. And um, she landed a job for me at Ashley Stewart. And I worked for one week. And with one week's worth of work, I made $8,000. And yeah, so with the money that we'd gotten from that ad campaign, Titi and I split it. I, I might have gotten a little bit more than Titi, but we were still in the minds of being sisters. And then that's when Titi said, hey, Mika, let's get out the house and let's take this money and open a salon. And it was the scariest thing because I was really comfortable doing hair in the house. But I always, you know, let my sister lead within the sister relationship. And Titi was right again. So uh, we opened up our first two-chair salon in the Borm Hill section of Brooklyn. And um, that was the beginning of our, of our career in the beauty business. What was the vibe on uh, your block in Brooklyn back then? It must have been so different. Rookies in business, TT and I made some bad business decisions and we didn't, we didn't get a chance to stay downtown very long. I think we stayed downtown for maybe a total of three years. And then uh, we got kicked out of our salon. We made some bad decisions. And uh, luckily, we bought a brownstone in the Bedford-Stuyvesant section of Brooklyn. And we had to refuge there and bring our business there. And that was the part of Brooklyn that was really, really, at the time, not thought of or was not known as the beauty capital. (laughs) (laughs) When we asked our customers to come and take the A train and get off at Nostrand Avenue, um, and you have to understand, getting off at Nostrand Avenue back in 1999, there was a bunch of music blasting, a gazillion people, a lot of street vendors. It was just a totally different vibe and scene from downtown Brooklyn. Many people actually didn't want to come, so we lost a lot of customers. So TT and I just kind of took it back to Thinking Box, and luckily it was bath time with my son because I was a single parent at the time. I realized that I could no longer wear my hair styled straight, and I had to embrace the curls, and that's when the conversation started between us and our handful of clients that were left that were willing to come to get their hair done in the hood, which was known as Bedford Stuyvesant, do or die, bed die. <laughs> when your first salon closed because we talked to so many entrepreneurs and it's like there are so many struggles with the successes but I like what I'm sure that was like really difficult to go through at the time what was the lesson that you took from that experience when you initially had to close shop well um it was a very trying time for me personally because I discovered I was pregnant when we went into our salon our second salon, um, actually downtown in, in the Borm Hill section of Brooklyn. I knew I was going to be a single parent, so it was just a rough time for me personally. And then it was also a scary time because I, I knew I was doing it by myself or without my son's dad. And then at the time, we were having such a hard time with our landlords, with our new landlords. I mean, you know, when it rains, it pours. One thing led to another. There were a lot of lessons learned when we lost the business. 
And I think the lesson that stands out to me most is that I really needed to grow up. You know, Mm -hmm. I was still very much engaged in the dynamic of my sister, my relationship with my sister in that she was the big sister. She made all the decisions and I was, I was just able to sit back and allow my sister to take care of things. But as rookies in business, uh, what I realized is Titi didn't know everything. And if I wanted to be in business, I really had to come outside my role as the beneficiary of uh, being little sister and, and pitch in, you know, in an equal way. And then also Titi had to pitch in in an equal way. And Titi had to learn how to style hair. So we didn't have the luxury as we knew we wanted to stay in business. We didn't really have the luxury to say, hey, you do this and I do that. We had to learn um, the other person's job. And sometimes that was really revealing, made us really vulnerable because in areas where I thought, oh, wow, I really know how to do this style well. And Titi, you know, a rookie as a hairstylist or a new hairstylist, Titi would find a better and more efficient way to do it. You know, I had to really kind of embrace that. And, you know, on the reverse too, you know, Titi might've done the administrative part of the operation, operational part of the business one particular way. And then I came in with a strong background in styling hair and I would recommend something. And Titi really had to humble herself and um, embrace some of my new ideas. So I would honestly say that, you know, in the growing up process for not only me, but also for Titi, it became really revealing and um, it made us very, very vulnerable. And um, business had a way of making Titi and I square off with who we really were and not who we thought we were or maybe what the other person thought, you know, maybe what I thought Titi was or Titi thought I was. It really revealed who we were and what we were made of. And sometimes it was nice and sometimes it wasn't so nice. So um, one thing that we did have was love. So I think that that was the main ingredient that really kept us bound together while we were going through this new process in business. Such good words to live by, really. And just, you know, I think a lot of people are faced with that, especially in a partnership when you're in business, rising to the occasion, right? Yeah. So let's talk about Miss Jessie's. I believe I read, correct me if I'm wrong, that you guys, when you were working together on hair, you were actually known for like a lot of relaxed styles and you were known for doing a lot of straight hair. Is that correct? That is so correct. Uh, TJ and I, we always had a focus on healthy hair, but we were really, really good at relaxing hair. We were really, really good at straight styling. And um, it was only that the, the lifestyle change that happened when I became pregnant and I was care, and then I had my son and was caring for him and he started splashing around that I really had to reevaluate um, my hair and, and, and what, what my hair would look like. Um, but had it not been for bath time, I believe I would still be styling straight hair because we, we did it. We were known for it and um, I enjoyed it. And so tell us that story about bath time and how that would lead to the creation of Miss Jessie's. Well, when TJ and I uh, lost our business, we uh, luckily we were able to refuge to this beautiful brownstone that we purchased in the Bedford-Stuyvesant section of Brooklyn. 
And I knew I was going to be a single parent. And I thought, wow, what ways uh, can I contribute to my son's life where it would be meaningful? So I thought if he had my time and if he had my attention, I thought that he would be, he would have a great start, you know, at least a great head start. So if you wanted to get your hair done, you had to come to me because I cared for my son in my brownstone. You know, it was rare that I would send him out for babysitting. Um, so the few people that came, they would come and they would get their hair done. And at first, I think I managed to wear my hair straight. But after my son started, like, you know, getting stronger and he would splash around at bath time, the water would hit my hair. And when water hits my hair, it just goes north, it goes east, it goes west. It will not maintain its straight style. And right after bath time, I would have to run downstairs to the first floor. And then I would have to service my clients. So I naturally the, the conversation would start like, hey, what, what's the deal with your hair? And I, would, I was prepared to make excuses. Oh, you know, I'm a new mom. And I realized that my customers and my clients, they liked it. They were fascinated with it. They were interested and wanted to talk. And Tiki and I realized that this was an opportunity. And I was always good at hair. So very quickly, I became an expert at styling curly, kinky, and wavy hair. But because there were no products um, on the shelves, Sephora, Target, Walmart, Walgreens, anywhere, um, Titi and I, uh, we took to our kitchen table and we actually made it ourselves. Who is Miss Jessie? So Miss Jessie is our grandmother on our father's side. And Miss Jessie is the woman that really took a special interest in our hair in that when we would go to visit her for holidays or for the summers, she made sure we would get like a wash and set from the local beautician. Her name was Miss Vivian. And then, you know, Miss Jessie would actually at her kitchen table, because our grandmother was a really, she was an, an amazing cook. She would whip up things for us like by scratch, like she would make mayonnaise and eggs and put oil in it and just all kind of things. So Titi and I could go back, you know, to Queens because she lived in Poughkeepsie, New York. And so we could care for our hair or she would make some kind of like, you know, moisturizer or we would call it grease back then where she would mix a bunch of different kinds of oils and let it cool. And we would bring that down to put in our hair. So so, you know, that love and care for our hair, really, it stuck with us. And when it came time for us to name our, our products for curly, kinky, and wavy hair, our grandmother, Miss Jessie, was on our mind because not only was she a wonderful cook and made things from scratch herself, but she really took a special interest in our hair. And so the first product that you started, you know, whipping up, was that the curly pudding? That was curly pudding. And when Titi and I knew that we had to create something to make good on our promises, we were making all kinds of promises to our customers who would travel near and far, you know, whether you were white, whether you were Asian, whether you were Latina, everyone came to us to get their hair done with the help of the internet. And we were making promises and we were styling the hair, but we weren't, we weren't confident that the styles would last long because after they would leave, you know, curly hair tends to have a, a mind of its own. So we really, we understood that, oh my God, we need a product that's going to 
maintain the styles that we, we established at the salon. So that's when we tapped into Miss Jessie again, and she was a real do-it-yourself kind of person, and we started mixing at our kitchen table. But I was the sister with the baby. So after I did like a long day's work and after I you know, spent time with my son, I was exhausted at night. But it was actually Titi who stayed up later than I did. And one day, Titi cracked that nut and she showed me this purple pudding stuff. And it was the right consistency and the right smell and the right everything. And we were the testies. So we would test all the products on our own hair. And when I put it in my hair, when she put it in her hair, we knew we had it. Hello, beauty fans, jumping in for a quick skincare break in partnership with our friends at True Botanicals. So we know many of you are passionate about green beauty. That's why we want to tip you off to True Botanicals, a line of clean skin and body products that's delivered straight to your door. So appreciated right now. Personally, I've been using the Repair Serum filled with ceramides and powerful antioxidants like noni and resveratrol, as well as bioactive peptides from fermented algae and seaweed. And there's kind of a calming quality to using it as well. You get this instant hit of natural neroli. There's no synthetic fragrance. And the first time I used it, my skin was like, it just sucked it all up in a flash. Now that my skin's getting used to it, it just feels nicely plump and more balanced. And every true botanicals formula is what's called made safe certified, meaning it's made without over 5,000 ingredients that a lot of eco watchers worry could be toxic. But true botanicals is also about performance, marrying the latest scientific advances with centuries old botanical extracts to repair skin in all of its formulas. They've worked with researchers at least universities to find the best and nourishing botanical extracts rich in those antioxidants, vitamins, and essential fatty acids to develop those potent formulas. And they actually rival conventional beauty brands. Two independent clinical studies showed that True Botanicals outperformed a certain $300 La Creme you may have heard of. Wink, wink. So whether you're looking for an effective anti-aging regimen, seeking a sensitive skin solution, battling pregnancy hormones, or struggling with acne, True Botanicals has a natural formulation to protect and nourish your skin. You've got to try True Botanicals for yourself. Get 15% off your first purchase at truebotanicals.com beauty. Get 15% off your first purchase at truebotanicals.com beauty. We're going to link to that offer in our show notes and on our blog. That's truebotanicals.com beauty. And now back to today's episode. Hi, I'm Pia Berengini, the creative director of LPA, an entrepreneur, a wife, and a dog mom based in Los Angeles. This is my new podcast, Everything is the Best, where we basically ask interesting people, how did you go from zero to yacht? I'm always curious how the hell people became successful, and I figured you would be too. Get on the internet with me. Let's laugh, let's cry, let's overshare, and let's get inspired to live our best lives. Check out new episodes every Wednesday. It's all for you, baby. Thanks for listening. Love you, mean it. Fast forwarding a little bit, I understand that now the number one bestseller is the Pillow Soft Curls. So tell us about that product in particular and how it came to be and why everyone is obsessed with it. Oh my God, everyone is obsessed and everyone loves Pillow Soft Curls. And I think the first generation of 
products uh, for curly hair, um, although wonderful and groundbreaking like curly pudding, by the time we made pillow soft curls, we had really, really known our stuff by then. And uh, we realized after doing like a billion curls by that time, we realized that many of the customers, they wanted definition but they wanted it to be super soft and, and they actually did not want it to be super defined. They wanted it to be big and fluffy and they wanted it to look like it was second or third day hair. And that's mm-hmm. sometimes hard to do with a stylist because as uh, you know, a stylist, you're really trying to give the customer perfection and you're trying to define every little curl. But um, by the time we made pillow soft curls, we realized that maybe um, the aesthetic might have changed. And so we just took that, we got back to our kitchen table and we came up with pillow soft curls and we realized that all the qualities and characteristics of what our customers were looking for were really the qualities of a fabric softener. Fluffy, mm-hmm. soft, mm-hmm. fresh scented, um, all of those things. So we looked a little bit deeper into fabric softener. So we married fabric softener technology with hair care technology. And that's how we came up with pillow soft curls. It's so popular because it's so soft. It's so yummy too. Quick story. When Titi and I were doing hair, we were curly hair experts. We established that it wasn't uncommon for like the whitest white girl (laughs) to come or, you know, a girl to fly in from Africa to get her either kinky hair done or her loose curly hair or, you know, her wavy hair done. And it's really about texture. And that's what we, we learned through doing curly hair or textured hair. It's less about ethnicity and it's more about the texture. So ironically, it's not uncommon for maybe a Jewish girl to have the same texture as a black girl. And Mm -hmm. she's looking for solutions. You know, they both can use pillow soft curls and they both can use jelly soft and and curly pudding. And um, that's been a wonderful way where we've been able to have a conversation with one another through hair. You know, it's been a nice way to just kind of make new friends. Nothing bonds people more than hair problems. It's true. Especially women. <laughs> so was there a moment that really put the brand on the map for you? Like maybe a media mentioned or a celebrity loving it where you were like, oh my God, this isn't just in our kitchen anymore. When we were making product in our brownstone because we brought all production, like we were running every floor, <laughs> like every floor had a function. <laughs> our basement turned into production and before our basement, it was our, our, our garden floor. But when we were making product and um, you could only get it if you had an appointment with Miss Jeffy, and it was called Curve Salon at the time. And the only way for you to get a job curly pudding is if you had an appointment. Once people start like knocking on our door and ringing our bell at like nine o'clock at night or on mm-hmm. Sunday, we were like, oh my God. And then it went to the next level where some of the ladies were getting really mad at us. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were sending us nasty messages and they couldn't believe we wouldn't open the door to sell them a jar of curly pudding. We knew, okay, something, <laughs> something big is happening. But mm-hmm. I think when we saw ourselves in Oprah magazine and we were in a double page spread and there was just a huge picture of Titi and I telling our story and talking about our product, that was pretty big for us. And then I think finally, when we got the call from Target, 
Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't expect it. And by that time, we had gotten many calls from many different people. And some were legit and some and many were not legit. And ironically, when we got the call from Target, we didn't see a Target.com at the end of the person's email. So we just mm-hmm. blew it off. And oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, they kept calling and calling. And it was a third party. And they got Tiki on the phone. And Tiki asked, she asked more questions. And my sister was extremely smart. She, she was just one of those people who knew something about, a little something about everything. So mm-hmm. they were talking. She was telling me to come close and come near. And she was signaling that this might be important. And she said, well, where is this meeting? Where is this special meeting being held? And they said, well, it's going to be in Minneapolis. And Tiki knew that Target's headquarters was in Minneapolis. And that's when she thought, maybe these people are serious. So we had to buy a plane ticket for the next day because the meeting was happening the next day. And it was the most expensive plane ticket. I don't think a lot of planes fly out of Minneapolis, St. Paul. So it was already expensive. We were preparing all night. We didn't sleep. We were ready to pitch. And uh, we got there and there were around 10 people in the room. And Titi, you know, was the sister with the media background. So she always spoke. And I looked at her and I said, you know, basically with my eyes, get it, Titi. <laughs> and she started. <laughs> And they interrupted her and they said, we, we know who you are. And we know what your, we know your line is wonderful. So we'll order, we'll, we'll, we will order everything. And I just, I, I couldn't believe it. And uh, without any, without any attorneys on the scene, Target became our new partner. Wow. Amazing. What year was that? That was 2009. Yeah. Oh, wow. Over 10 years ago now. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. And yeah, that would just be game changing completely. That's like when you get back on the plane, you're going, how are we going to do this? But you say yes, right? Well, you know, ironically, we didn't, we didn't understand that it required some planning and some thinking. We were just so elated with being in Target. All we can think about was seeing Miss Jessie's curly pudding on the shelves. And we just imagined that uh, we're going to see a lot of zeros in our bank account. And that's Mm -hmm. all we could think about. At the time, Titi and I were expert at uh, styling hair. We were also experts at making curly pudding, but we had no idea what we were getting ready to get into. And we had no background in dealing with a partner, a large retailer like Target. So there were a lot of lessons that were um, to be learned. Yeah, absolutely. How do we clone Uh, ourselves? Yeah. (laughs) I just think, you know, at the end of the day, Black women and especially any woman, period, who has curly hair, they're willing to spend their money. There is a huge demand for products that work as a solution to kinky, curly, and wavy hair types. So I'm glad that retailers are stepping up and seeing they should be you know, showcasing more of these types of products on their shelves and women are ready to spend. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, how we got to this place is that the customer who was buying the relaxers, she stopped buying it and that relaxer sales were down around 30%. And although Tiki and I were elated and so excited about the call from Target, we didn't take the time to try to understand why we may have gotten that call in the first place. 
And I think once the retailer um, saw a difference in the sales, I think that they may have done their research to find out why this customer wasn't spending. That may have been how they found Tiki and I. And they decided, which I thought was a smart move for the retailer, to bring this company in, in the store. And that would really boost the price of any basket. So if you're in there buying your curly pudding or your, your pillow soft curls, the chances of you getting your detergent and your sanitary napkins and your dishwashing liquid is high. You can really boost up that, that basket right. value. That makes so, sense. So yeah, so it, it kind of happened that way in that um, creating solutions for curly hair, maybe make the retailer take a second look at this customer and understand that she's willing to spend for mm-hmm. the products that work. And I think that that was maybe the seeds to inviting more companies who are offering those kinds of solutions to textured hair. Yeah, it really helped open up, you know, the category and put it and the, you know, prime positioning on the shelves. Mm-hmm. And as we've talked about, you know, being an entrepreneur is not easy. There's high points, but there's low points as well. What do you think is the best way to support Black female entrepreneurs right now? There's so many uh, different ways. If, if you are a Black female entrepreneur like Titi and I, where we didn't get formal training, I think mentoring and education uh, could be very helpful for newbies in business who are setting up. Sometimes, you know, if you have a failure, sometimes it could be so detrimental. You, you may be so turned off, you may not want to get back into it. I think knowledge is very powerful for um, the female entrepreneur in business, particularly the black one. And then also, you know, purchasing, purchasing and patronizing their business, you know, being able to have the money or to have the operating cash to stay in business is key. Uh, I know a lot of our companies, it's a large trend now to get in front of investors and get an infusion of cash. And if, you, if that's your business model, um, that's wonderful. But sometimes, you know, not really being knowledgeable about that approach to business or that particular arena, you know, it can also be pretty scary. And I think cash, it can be very powerful for the entrepreneur in business and that she doesn't have to leverage or spread herself in or becoming, you know, into a partnership. And not really knowing how that kind of game works. I, I mm-hmm. think like Titi and I, our customers patronize our business. So we were able to weather some storms without a partner who may have a large say-so because they didn't use a large portion of cash into our business. So I, I guess you guys can hear I'm kind of leaning more towards being your own boss. and um, <laughs> Bootstrapping, yes. <laughs> yeah, you know, and not doing it the other way. But, you know, many people have had success doing it that way. Um, but anyway, mm-hmm. I think patronizing uh, any woman in business, particularly Black women in business, is very helpful. Well, I yeah. think that's a great point, uh, Miko, because we actually just got asked that in our Facebook private chat room. You know, we do have a lot of entrepreneurs who listen. They love our founder stories. And somebody did ask, do you think it's best to look for investors or bootstrap? So yeah, I'm glad you touched on that. And I think, you know, that decision making, I, I really think that you, the person should understand their values and how they feel. At the end of the day, I know many of us go into business to make money, but that's not the leading factor. 
Um, some of us really are in business to make decisions and to do things ourselves. And if the money comes, that is wonderful. Um, but having ownership and having say so is really important to some entrepreneurs. And I think for me, particularly when my sister died, I was really thankful that I didn't take any cash from any investor because during a time like that, um, decisions may have been made that were out of my control where because I'm, I'm, you know, because I own the business, I was able to lick my wounds and kind of cry and be with my family and just kind of think about things before I made any big moves. So those, that's kind of like a wonderful benefit. That just means a lot to me. It, it lends to what I place value on. That was one of the joys, another joy of being my own boss. Right. But, you know, other people could feel other ways. So I get it too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all these years later and you still own 100% of Miss Jessie's, which is phenomenal. What still keeps you up at night? I built this business with Titi and I remember all that was put into it. And I, I feel like I would be doing a disservice if I didn't try harder to carry on the legacy. And that, that's how I'm feeling now. And I, I realize that as I get older, I imagine I, I might become fatigued and I might look to a retirement plan. And for the entrepreneur, retirement for us could be selling your business. But right now, I, I still am in love with Miss Jessie's and I want to do my very best. I don't know, my sister just, she, she, she passed on this wonderful gift to me and I'm just still enjoying it. So even though it's really hard work because like I'm one of the, the CEOs, I'm like really engaged in my business. I'm tired every night. It's still a labor of love and, and I enjoy it still. Well, thank you so much for your time. We just have three listener questions. Oh, yeah. Okay. First of all, love all of the PDF styling guides that you guys have on your website. So there's so many great how-tos, like from maintaining edges to keeping curls from going crispy and how to like, you know, get rid of shrinkage and on curls. I'm just wondering if you could talk for a moment about transitioning hair from relaxed to curls, because I know you even have a product to help women with that. And aside from patience, do you have a great tip there? I'm glad you mentioned patience because patience is the main thing. But um, the key to transitioning is marrying two textures that are dissimilar while trying to make them similar. That's the transitioning process versus the big chop process where you just cut all of your straight ends off at one time. That could be really traumatic. You know, there's a good, good, good handful of women who are not ready to do it. So they look to transitioning. So it's about really making two textures that are dissimilar, similar, and um, styling options would be a spiral rod set, a double strand twist, even a braid out. You can do braids, big braids or small braids, and then let them out. And that tends to marry the two dissimilar textures in a very nice way. And then some people even get braids to just take their mind completely off of it while not cutting the end. And then some people wear wigs. Um, so those are things that you can do. And then also the transitioner, she tends to like to maybe trim slowly versus the big chop. So all the while she's doing, you know, she's getting rid of her straight ends slowly. Some women straighten their hair. You know, mm-hmm. some women run the risk of heat damage where heat damage actually straightens your hair even more. Or heat damage might make hair that has texture or that has curl to it. It might make that, that texture straight. 
So um, styling the hair straight while growing it out or transitioning can be a slippery slope. So I definitely encourage maybe textured styles uh, for people who want to transition. And then, of course, the slow trims to eventually um, get rid of all the straight ends. Great tips. So we're going to get specific on a curl pattern from Helena P. She has three A curls and she'd love some tips on making the most of her natural curls. She's still trying to figure out the best products and techniques to embrace them. Well, Helen, Miss Jessie really set out to offer a solution for every kind of curl. So if you have a 3A texture and you want more hold and more definition, then I would point you to Jelly Soft Curls or even Honey Curls. It has a lot of hold. It has a lot of definition, but it tends to be on the softer side. But if you like big fluffy curls and you still want definition, but you want it totally soft, I would point you in the direction of pillow soft curls. It's so soft. It's so yummy, um, but it'll give you the volume that you're looking for. Also, multicultural curls has a wonderful way of blending textures that are dissimilar, particularly, you know, Titi and I, our mom is Japanese, our father is African-American, and we're, we come out with all these different textures. Multicultural curls is a good product for 3A um, textures like yourself. And then you can't go wrong with a leave-in conditioner, whether you want a little bit more hold or if you want more volume. So I'm definitely pointing you in the direction of leave-in conditioner. I think if you start off with those styling products, you'll find the just right style for yourself. And if you like no suds, then don't want no suds is our newest product. It's so yummy. Smells like a now later candy that I grew up with. And then we also have Harmony Knot, which which is our sulfate-free shampoo. Um, I think that's a nice little regimen for you to um, fool around with. And I think you'll find something you like. I think we have one more question from Brittany Cole. And uh, she says, my hair is as thick as it comes for a light skinned girl. And it's always very dry when it's in its natural state. I would love to know more about deep, deep conditioning tricks. Well, we have an amazing deep, deep conditioner. It's called Rapid Recovery. If your hair is damaged, that is an awesome one. Adding heat to your deep conditioner is really going to make the difference because it's going to open up the cuticle. Many people with dry hair, they tend to have a problem growing out their hair because their hair tends to break off. So we really love recommending super sweet back treatment. It comes also in tube form. And it's not only does it double as a deep conditioning treatment, but it also encourages hair growth to get that growth momentum that many of us curlies are looking for. So if you add a little bit of heat by way of a heat cap, or if you jump in the shower with some steam, that's really going to give you a nice finished product. But if your hair is dry, you just, you know, um, we recommend Miss Jessie's baby buttercream. If you're doing natural style and you want to apply that to your hair while it's damp and you go into your braid outs, your twist outs, or your double strand twists, And it also doubles as a moisturizer that you can go in on a daily basis and use it as your daily moisturizer. So we think with that combination, you'll get the moisture that you're looking for. Amazing. I could listen to your tips all day. I swear to God. Oh my God. At this point, I can cut hair with my eyes closed now. (laughs) My hair hair has been part of my life, like all my life now. Um, So... 
I don't know. And I just you still love it. do, right? You step into I, the salon. I do. I do. It's part of who I am. So if I was separated from doing hair, I would probably be an unhappy person. Okay. Well, we love chatting with Miko. She's such an inspiring story. And I love how she's carrying her sister's legacy forward. It's amazing. Yeah. And they she even wrote a book actually about their whole family business and their dynamic a few years ago, if you guys want to check that out. Well, Miko gave us some epic curly hair tips, but of course, as part of our founder episodes, we like to review the best-selling product ourselves. And of course, since neither you, Jill, nor I have curly hair, we phoned a friend and with us on the line is fellow beauty editor and freelance fashion and beauty writer, Ingrid Williams. Ingrid writes for Refinery29 and Elle here in Canada, and she's one of the co-founders of T-Zone Beauty, a digital beauty hub where beauty meets fun. So Ingrid is here to tell us her thoughts on the pillow soft curls from Miss Jessie's. Welcome, Ingrid. Hi, guys. I'm excited to be here. Hey. Hey. Okay, so first of all, Ingrid, since our listeners can't see you today, how would you describe your hair type? Maybe you could talk about like your curl pattern and just so people know. Okay, yes. So my curl pattern is really patterns. It's multiple different textures. Mm -hmm. So I have four B and C curls, more so at the front of my hair, like along my hairline. And then Mm -hmm. towards the back of my hair, I have more like three B, C, so more like looser ringlet. So it's a real melange of textures. A Um, myriad. A myriad. We've got a lot going on here. Yeah. So that's sort of, that's my deal. Just a mixed bag. And you wear your hair natural now most of the time. Yeah. All the time. So I've been on a natural journey for about 12 years now. Um, Mm -hmm. Stopped relaxing and have been growing my hair out in the early stages of my natural journey. I was sort of doing twist outs and trying to get that really uniform texture all over. But now I'm just happy to let it go and let each sort of texture shine and do its own thing. And so what did you think? You tried it. How did you use it, first of all? And then what did you think of the results? I used it um, while styling my hair, as I usually do, which is on damp hair. So I spritz my hair down or I have it wet from the shower. And then I usually run a cream through it section by section. So What I found interesting is that it's described as a lotion. So it's a little bit on the lighter weight texture than I would usually maybe gravitate towards. I usually, as I said, like a heavier cream. It still has some weight to it, but it's definitely a little more viscous, I would say. Mm -hmm. And it has a nice amount of slip to it. So slip is something that you really want to look for if you have curlier textured hair to really like just get through the hair, detangle, keep it nice and smooth, get all those individual curls really defined. And I really liked that aspect of it. And it lived up to its name. Like my curls were defined, soft, no crunch, no hard little texture, little bits. I really, really liked it. I was pleasantly surprised at how well it performed. Okay. So it maybe didn't give, it maybe didn't give you the hold, but it gave you the softness and a bit of control and it was easy to put in. Yeah, it was very easy to put in and it gave a nice amount of definition. There's something, I don't know how to describe it on a regular day, but sometimes if I'm using maybe more of a cream and like really brushing it through, I'll get sort of like really big curls. This Mm -hmm. one, when I went in, it really pulled out each little defined curl, which I found really interesting. It really sort of like separated them out, but again, Mm -hmm. just made them sort of, you know, 
have their little moment, but not in a crispy, crunchy way. Thanks so much, Ingri. And we just want to touch on T-Zone because everybody needs to go and check it out. Your streeter videos are so great where you profile women about their beauty musts. And I know you have a new IG live beauty series, T-Zone Trivia, where you've got fun quizzes every week and different themes like big beauty moments and music. So tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah. So you can find us at t.zonebeauty on Instagram. We are a digital beauty platform that sort of covers seasonal trends, topical issues, beauty trends. As you said, the Streeters video, Beauty on the Street, which is a huge hit. And we can't wait to get back to doing that when we're allowed to talk to strangers (laughs) a little closer than six (laughs) feet apart um, because we're so nosy. We love finding out the beauty routines of real women. And we've been living the IG Live life. So every Tuesday at 8 p.m. and Friday at 12 p.m. EST, you can come hang out with us. We're going to be covering body, yaddy, yaddy. So summer beauty products, beauty oils, etc. We're going to talk about eye treatments in an upcoming episode. And it's just a fun way to hang out and connect. Thanks for listening. You can find details on every product mentioned in today's episode, along with our exclusive promo codes on our blog at breakingbeautypodcast.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our newsletter. Every episode will be delivered directly to your inbox so you won't miss a single thing. And get social with us. Let us know what you think of the episode. You can follow us on Instagram at breakingbeautypodcast. And did you know we also have a private Facebook group? Just search Breaking Beauty Podcast chat room. You can even leave us a voicemail at any time with questions or feedback at 1-844-227-0302. And don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast fix. Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts, where you can show us some love by writing a review. See you next Wednesday.